Hello and welcome to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thank you for joining us today with your co-hosts, Valian Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Welcome back to week 18, 19, actually. I can't believe we're already rolling close to um, 20 episodes. Um, this week, we're going to talk about the Golden Globes and all the controversy they brought up in the last couple weeks. It's kind of been an interesting topic that we didn't know whether we would jump on um, kind of the ag bag bandwagon, essentially, and portray what everybody else is portraying or if we'd address it, but we decided to go ahead and address it. We decided to put Millennial Ag spin on it and kind of dig deeper past some of the headlines. So, Catherine, do you want to, for the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with the Golden Globe controversy, kind of what happened there and why is agriculture, especially production ag, all up in arms? Yeah, absolutely, Val. So I have to admit here that I had to do a wee bit of research because I don't follow the Golden Globes. (laughs) Um, But they're the annual awards for TV shows, kind of like Oscars for TV shows, which I also don't pay attention to. Um, But you may have heard, if you are in agriculture at all (laughs) and pay any attention to social media, um, that the Golden Globes went vegan. Uh, Their their celebrity meal... um, was was prepared as a vegan meal and it actually happened um it was a very abrupt reversal from what they had been planning they went vegan very quickly before the event actually happened and as you can imagine this caused a little bit of a dust up in in (laughs) agriculture because there's nothing we love more than being um, righteously outraged (laughs) especially when it comes to questioning some of our production practices or exactly or Or, going against what you and i would really want to eat should we show up to the golden globes one day right or bashing one form of of eating or production against another um so that's that's the controversy in a nutshell golden globes went vegan and uh Animal ag lost their minds, <laughs> not in a bad way, but um, you know, did did some pushback, pushback that was needed, um, especially not necessarily for the people who actually go to the Golden Globes, maybe the people who follow the Golden Globes, you know, the the general public out there. Um, so there were there were a lot of responses from a lot of social media influencers. Um, Val, do you want to talk about some of the things that they did and what they what they suggested maybe could be done instead of having a vegan meal yeah now the one one person I followed that kind of responded and there was multiple people that did it um, beyond the beef runner um, and I would recommend following him I I enjoy following him and he has not reached out to us so this is not a paid <laughs> advertisement <laughs> for him um, but he kind of laid out a few suggestions on what they could do instead of going vegan to reduce so to say their carbon footprint or make make what they're doing more sustainable you know each one of those golden globe nominees flies there in their own private jet one person per jet or they show up in a private limo well maybe we could carpool maybe we could reduce the carbon footprint simply by carpooling simply by carpooling or you know what what if what if we wore our outfits more than one time or rented the runway or did something <laughs> like that where we could share share some of those and you know when you start looking at how much um, carbon emissions happens and so to say global warming or atmospheric damage um, agriculture is really not on the top of the list it's mostly um, 
you know, airplanes, car emissions, transportation, and, and even industrial development. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of frustrating when they want to jump on that. I'm going to help the environment bandwagon and reduce meat. And I, so, you know, and we're going to go all plant based stuff. But do they realize that plants also and farming? produce carbon too probably just as much as cattle do i think you know if they're going with a vegan meal and say it's soy based or or you know pick or choose whatever else they probably had there like the impossible burger on toothpicks or whatever because that's the trend du jour um um you know soybean farming not taking a swipe at soybean farmers but it is not without its own emissions as well its own its own environmental impact just like anything that humans do including breathing has environmental impact so um, I, I think that it's, it's an interesting approach to, um, say, supporting a cause is to go vegan for a night. And I actually heard, um, I read this just yesterday, there was um, an ag teacher in Utah who did the math on all of this. And his, most, his statistic that stood out the most to me was um, if every one of those Golden Globe attendees had, or celebrities or award winners, had eaten three ounces of beef that night, that would have been 42 pounds of beef. And the he said that one cow, and I can attest to this because I have done this research my own <laughs> self through my job, um, one cow, one beef cow emits about 120 pounds of carbon emissions a year. So 42 pounds off of a beef carcass is nothing, right? Like there's hardly anything there. Um, and so... So them saying that going to a completely vegan dinner um, was wiping out their their carbon footprint or whatever, when you really do the numbers, um, it really it really doesn't add up. It, what it is is a publicity stunt. It's a ploy. And honestly, should we expect anything different from Hollywood? Probably not. And they need they want something to hang their hats on at the end of the night, saying we did something good. We can put a little feather in our cap that we're saving the planet by doing this. And they feel good about themselves, and they get a bigger following, and you get the feel goods out of there without actually having to do any work. Yeah, they just took out meat. They'll go. A lot of them probably went home that night, or went swung by Chick Fil A or McDonald's, <laughs> um, and got and got their meat. So I think it's very hypocrisy um, to do that, and hypocritical to. To say we're saving the planet when, are you really? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I know that his opening remarks were a little bit uh, controversial, but I think that Ricky Gervais, um, the the dude who hosted the Golden Globes, his opening monologue was great. <laughs> he said, um, you know, in general, you don't know anything about the real world. Don't get up here on your platform and tell us all how to live our lives when you don't know what real life is actually like because you live in Hollywood. I think that that was, um, while very pointed and piercing, <laughs> he's not far off the mark. Um, so, so you know, we, we saw this controversy. We watched it play out over social media. Val already talked about how, you know, Millennial Ag was going to address it. And we've been kicking this idea back and forth for the last couple of days. And we decided that um, what we'd like to do is take you, our listeners, one layer deeper, we're going to go beyond, behind the curtain of the Golden Globes um, and talk a little bit about an issue that Valine and I have um, 
I would I would say more knowledge about than the general public because of because of our jobs. So Val, do you want to dive into that? Yeah. So we kind of thought, you know, what what makes agriculture or what's the portrayal that agriculture is bad on the environment? And it I think it sends down personally to carbon emissions or greenhouse gas emissions or any of those emissions. And it's kind of funny because I spent some time at home and we've worked on specific projects um, looking at the opportunity for agriculture to actually be carbon sinks. So hang on, hang on. What are carbon sinks? So carbon sinks are when you, somebody emits the carbon, say a factory, and agriculture or different entities or different practices, wetlands are a perfect example, are where carbon can actually go back into the earth and be stored in the soil or a plant or something and not be emitted into the atmosphere. Okay, so a sink is how you get rid of carbon or sequester carbon, is that a correct term? That is a perfect explanation of what Okay. A carbon sink is, yes. So <clears throat> the other side of that is the factories you were talking about or or cars or other transportation or cows, we have to admit it, mm-hmm. are sources. Correct. Carbon sources. But it's kind of funny once, you know, you look at cows and in confinement, yes, they're a car- carbon source to some extent, but you get, you start looking at cows grazing on pasture and it's a neutral effect because the cows are eating the grass they're pulling up some of the carbon through a little bit of the plants most of it is kept in the roots of grasses the cow emits the carbon but then it sinks back into the grass she's growing or eating and so when you're grazing cattle which is what the case is for most of um the beef supply in the united states right before it heads to a feedlot spent that that beef animal spends most of, most of its life on pasture or range or something like that correct yeah they only spend <coughs> 120 to 180 days confined. if that it actually confined and so there is some of that and there there's opportunities that we've experienced of putting digesters or covering the lagoons and and capturing some of that carbon emissions and putting it into gas which is also a way to get the carbon credits but farming practices by tilling the soil can be a semi um em- emission of carbon and so farmers are looking at the opportunity to be carbon sinks and reduce tillage and doing no-till and that sort of thing and looking at just drilling rather than plowing so agriculture is actually on the forefront of a lot of this carbon discussion and it turns out that a lot of i wouldn't say the majority yet but a lot of agriculture is very aware of this carbon situation and they're looking at ways to become carbon neutral or way to be carbon sink and actually there's an opportunity to get paid for it yeah there is and before we move into those opportunities to get paid i think it's worth noting that agriculture has been always at the forefront of figuring out how to do better because i mean from a purely business standpoint doing better in production agriculture farming um, means that you're going to get paid more you know, up till a certain point when we can get into commodities some other time. But um, so agriculture is at the forefront of this, trying to figure out um, how they can reduce their impact, increase their efficiencies, and um, and be more be more sustainable on an economic um, 
environmental and and social scale. I mean, this is this is not new news to agriculture. This is not new information. Um, you know, the the data points and how we're going about it might be new, but agriculture has been been eyeing this issue for a long time. And again, before we go too much further, I I think it's just it's a little bit of a oh, maybe a slap in the face or a little bit of a a an insult to to American ag- production agriculture when you get celebrities or, or politicians on the campaign trail coming along saying that they have the fix to all of the environmental woes. We're going to make agriculture be at the forefront of it and fix it. And I mean, that does us a disservice by making it sound like agriculture is the number one culprit and um, that agriculture farmers have never had these ideas in the first place. Well, and they haven't. It's frustrating because they've never spent a single day on a farm or a ranch or a dairy. They've never spent a single day actually in production ag seeing what goes on to make that happen. We're not perfect. We are tilling a lot of soil and we are emitting some carbon and we are doing mass production to some extent. We can't lie. We, we're doing that. But you know, that's part of doing business a little bit. And we are aware of some of the impacts and we're working on fixing some of those impacts and we're at the forefront of that. Do those celebrities realize what the impact of flying their private jet to the Golden Globes is really doing to them? I would take a wild guess and say it's not something they've ever considered. Or even care about. Or even care about. Because if you truly do care about an issue or, you know, a cause or something like that, you have to put your money or your time where your mouth is instead of, um, you know, utilizing some BS scheme to to give you the facade of doing something without you actually having to be uncomfortable and change something in your life. Um, So let's go back to getting paid for carbon credits. Let's pull the curtain back on that a little bit. Yeah, so I was first introduced to this, I think about, well, we, we were introduced to it on a project this year, but it's actually, I've heard through the grapevine that it's coming to farmers and ranchers too. And so there's you can, I think, either go directly to the carbon emitter or there's like this broker in between. But you can get paid to keep you as a farmer, rancher, dairyman. Correct. As long as you have farmland and you have organic matter um, and aren't tilling and releasing a lot of that organic matter and that carbon, you have to test and there's a protocol and you have to sign a contract for 10 years and there's all the fine print, which I know nothing about. But I just found it fascinating that that agriculture is the first person that these companies are coming to or thinking of to be carbon sinks, to being the people that they are going to pay. In addition to their production, you know, in addition to the beef that they're going to raise off the ground or the the crops they're going to produce or maybe even the milk, they're going to pay these people for these carbon credits and we can continue doing business with maybe a tweak or a modification to some of our practices to be a carbon sink. To be a sink. Getting paid for it. Now, the getting paid for it, it's not so much the getting paid for it on the farmer and rancher's part that makes it interesting to me. What what I find fascinating about this whole process is that there are... Um, schemes, for lack of a better <laughs> word, um, to to offset carbon emissions, um, you know, among 
urban urban areas and and it i mean in a nutshell what it looks like is a municipality or or a state or an organization comes to somewhere in rural america and decides that this is a great place to have a wind farm or a solar farm or to capture um you know methane gases from from manure lagoons and you can take those credits and somebody in an urban center will pay for them to be able to continue to use their fossil fuel um you know systems but this carbon credit that they have paid for has been offset and i we i've this is say along the same lines as mitigation or it is a mitigation practice and i was first introduced to the term mitigation when i was in school taking an ecological engineering credit and for those of you that have heard the buzzword mitigation, I didn't, I had heard it, but didn't know what it means, but it's, it's taking a problem and putting it somewhere else and fi- fixing it. So it's like this factory is still going to emit carbon, but we're going to do the offset of carbon credits somewhere else. And that's mitigating. And, and the theory is balancing this emission and then we're sinking it over here. But it's the same, mine's, and I'm, and I'm pro-business, I'm pro-factories um, and business and all that stuff, but it's just a fascinating topic because mining does the same thing, and I'm all for natural resources and mining. Mm-hmm. But you can go ahead and dig a hole in the side of a mountain and buy or purchase a ranch along the side, hire somebody to mitigate, do stream restoration, and fix, fix up this ranch to look all pretty and great, but how much have you really done to the site where you drilled that hole in? Mm-hmm. And is it and is it an impact? Is it a positive impact? And and we need to be doing all of it. And I'm we need to continue mining and we need to continue having our factories and producing the goods and services that we all want. But transferring the burden essentially mm-hmm. to somebody else, is it really worth? Is it worth it or is it happening? Is it is it ethical? Does it make any sense? Is all is it doing just giving people, you know, in urban centers by and large, I'm not trying to be biased here, but that's that's where those those that's the kind of organization that is looking for these kinds of these kinds of mitigations and, and offsets, um, giving them a warm, fuzzy feeling and, and once again being able to do something that sounds impressive and is on trend without actually having to disrupt something in their lives. And are- are they is it putting lipstick on a pig yeah that's exactly what it's doing and it's it's just like me sending money overseas to help a cause yes i feel good about it or i feel but sometimes i don't see my money at work and is it offsetting is it truly offsetting the emissions so does the carbon actually go into the atmosphere homogenize equal out and then sink over here somewhere else 2000 miles or or across the ocean across the ocean for that matter and come back in the sea and or come back in the sink is that really really happening and do we have the science to back it and that's where my questions lie and to be honest I haven't done enough research I haven't done enough research to see if mitigation um actually helps offset those or if it's a feel good we're helping somebody else so we can do something that's maybe detrimental to the environment but you did something that makes it so you can say that you did your part yeah and we can check the little box that i got my 
philanthropy yeah. for the year because I ate vegan at the Globe and Globes. Exactly. And that brings us back to our to our first point was that, you know, that the Golden Globes is what made us think about this this whole you know, issue going on sort of behind the scenes. It's not something that you hear about very often. And um, Valine and I are just fortunate to have encountered it in our professional lives. But, you know, it's it's easy to let organizations like the Golden Globes do the heavy lifting um, and promote a vegan meal and agenda. Um, and then, you know, go out and eat whatever you want later. And, you know, no blame on their part for doing that. But letting an organization do that without without um actually believing in it or if that's you know if if that's not something that you that you do believe in um it it just it rings a little bit hollow and there's not any meat behind what they're doing you know you know i'm nice pun (laughs) (laughs) um there's no backbone or meat behind all this and, and they're going to go do whatever they want to do. It's just a face. It's just like... It's a trend. It's a fad. Yep. And it's going to do... I mean, you had mentioned earlier when we were planning this podcast of, you know, is it going to gain them more followers? Yeah, probably. And what does a celebrity live and die on? Followers. I mean, honestly, not even celebrities anymore. If you want to have any kind of a, you know, impact in this world, they have to have some sort of following on the internet, which is kind of silly. But P.S. Ask your friends and family to like Millennial Act. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's easy to make a big splash like this. It's going to create headlines for a week or two and look like you're doing something without any effort or sincerity at all on your own part. Yeah, and I I guess why, like, the Golden Globes get big headlines, but why doesn't ag get these big headlines? Why aren't we at the forefront of some of these news articles? Or why aren't we the ones being like, actually, we're carbon sinks? P.S. Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some stuff out here. Um, I'm gonna say first off, that's because ag. Honestly, the day to day work of agriculture is not sexy. We don't dress up in our ball gowns. We don't, you know, we don't wear high heels to work unless you're asking for a broken neck. <laughs> um, you know, having your nails done just guarantees a busted up finger later on. Um, you know, we all wear we wear we wear our work clothes and we put on our mud boots to go do hard hard work like that so we're not glamorous and we're not sexy and that's you know I think that that's just something about the human condition you're always looking for something a little sparkly and a little you know special and while you and I know that agriculture is very very special we often aren't very glitterly glittery and if we're shiny it's probably because we're covered in something sticky (laughs) (laughs) well and we we in agriculture have chosen that lifestyle we Mm -hmm. love we love being dirty. We love being boots on the ground and picking picking crops or running a tractor or moving cows or milking a cow. and Out and in the fresh air every out day. In, out in the fresh air. Not and, being bothered by most of the rest of the world, I think, is a key point to stick in there. Which yeah. differentiates us from the rest of the world. From the rest <laughs> of the world, yes. <laughs> We're a bunch of hermit introverts. <laughs> Um, but you know, you asked why is agriculture, why doesn't agriculture get asked to, to, to tell these stories by, by mainstream media or even flip it a little bit and ask how come we're always first on the list to be attacked or vilified when these trends come along. And this isn't the first time it's happened. I mean, you were talking about, um, how when you were in high school, PETA and saving the animals was a big thing. 
And I mean, I think that we can go back, you know, every five or 10 years and identify the trends that, that are easy to jump on and that the activists have an agenda for. And um, I mean, it's, it's becoming very obvious that um, these activists far beyond PETA, I mean, the likes of HSUS and, and then getting politicians and celebrities on their side and having a lot more money than we do. And even um, the conservation groups are embedded now into them too. Yep, absolutely. The Sierra Club and the World Wildlife Fund and all those weirdos. Um, <laughs> um, you know, they, they have an agenda of no more animal agriculture. I think, I mean, that's, it's obvious. I don't think that we should sweep it under the rug anymore. Um, and letting letting the Golden Globes go by without some sort of passing comment, even though it may not have made a difference for that night, I think is just part of our fight and have to have to um, have to keep fighting that good fight. Even though, you know, at some point we're going to talk about ways to fight more effectively than just you know yelling. But and we um, have to stand up for ourselves. We have to stand up for what we believe in, and we have to stand up for our livelihoods. We do exactly, exactly, because we are small um, compared to the to the relative population, you know, we're one to two percent of of the United States population. Um, you know, honestly, we're not well organized in a way to address these kinds of outside issues. I mean, agriculture has plenty of organizations and industry groups, um, maybe too many to be able to get anything effectively done. But um, you know, we're not as organized as as those kinds of groups are because of the reasons that you said we're, we're out on the farm we're doing the work you know we're we're, we're working for a living um, instead of finding places to attack and we also we don't have any money i mean not compared to those kinds of organizations we don't have donors we don't have gofundmes for you know our day-to-day activities um you know we don't have professional fundraisers and it's i mean we just we're coming at it sort of a david versus goliath aspect and we, I think, have a little bit of pride. We don't want to ask for money from the celebrities. We don't want to ask for money as handouts because we work for our money. Right. We work for our industry, and we're proud of that. And I, and I think maybe we need to get over that a little bit. But we're we're proud that we don't, you know, subsidies happen, and yes, there's we're getting some government assistance in some aspects, but for the most part, agriculture is a proud industry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so to get, to say that Jennifer Aniston is donating money to the beef industry, might make Shoot, a few- where's Sam Elliott? <laughs> we need him back. <laughs> they do, but it kind of makes some people cringe when you start saying they're donating their money. Donating time or advocating, we're all for, but sometimes just handing over money, we're, we're a little apprehensive about too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all of these things play into agriculture, just not, not having the same kind of, um, the same kind of platform or, um, you know, projection for, for what we're trying to tell for, for, for the story we're trying to tell and for the industry and way of life we're trying to protect. Um, and so, you know, I guess, if anything, this Golden Globes controversy is another good reminder that um, we're going to have to keep up the good fight and, and we're going to have to start, we need to figure out other ways to to address these kinds of situations because, you know, a whole bunch of us getting together and yammering on social media is fun for a week or two, but what what cause or what change does it actually cause? Yeah, and I, I keep thinking, well, I want to ask the question, 
what can we do to be more out there? And I don't have an answer for it, to be honest. And that's why I've been scared to maybe even ask it on this podcast, because I don't think I have an answer. Right? But I think we've said it a few times on, on previous episodes. I mean, we don't have all of these answers, but... I mean, one of the main reasons that we started Millennial Ag was to try and start finding some of those answers. And so... And to dig deeper, pull back pull back the curtain of the golden globe, <laughs> and at least start the conversation. I think the hardest part about solutions um, is is starting the conversation and getting, getting everybody thinking and getting you listeners thinking about how you can make a difference in your communities. Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're just a consumer. And... and but how can you make a difference in your con- community? How can you ask more questions? How can you get to the root of these problems? And maybe as an industry as a whole or a nation as a whole, we can start coming together and calling people out for their stuff instead of just sitting back and saying, hmm, I'll enjoy this Beyond Burger tonight because that's what I'm served. You know, like... Yeah, and and too, I think, you know, we have to, we have to realize that it's going to take some some shitty first drafts <laughs> to get through this and I know um you know especially Valine and I have a hard time maybe brainstorming or brain dumping some things because because our first effort isn't perfect but we got to get past that and and really work together um to to start brainstorming brain dumping some of these ideas on how we can start addressing these kinds of problems um and that's that is uh that's one of the goals of Millennial Ag. And we look to you, our listeners, uh, for help with that. Because as we say time and again, we don't have all of the answers. You guys have lots of experiences and opportunities that we haven't. And would love to get your input um, and hear how you might address some of these things. Yes, and we thank you for turn, tuning in to this week. I really have enjoyed this week because Catherine and I are actually sitting down together at the same table (laughs) at the same table and not video conferencing or calling each other Um, and it's been really refreshing to me but thank you listeners for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast be sure to rate us on your favorite podcast platform and share it with all your friends you can also email us at Catherine at MillennialAg.com and Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E Thank you.